Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast. If you're listening on Big Blue View Radio, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're watching us on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe there as well. All right, I'm here with uh, Tony Del Genio of Big Blue View, and, and Tony and I are going to give you the, the sad post-mortem uh, on Sunday's embarrassing, humiliating, disgusting, disastrous performance by the Giants in a pretty much historic 40 to nothing loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Tony, how are you today? Have you uh, have you digested it? Have you recovered? Did you get more sleep than the three hours that I got? So uh, how are you doing? <laughs> well, now I'm starting to look in, in mock drafts to see what offensive tackles might be available that we might take in the top five next year. Oh, good Lord. There's so, so, so many problems. You know, I, I, I heard somebody say on uh, one of the talking heads on the radio this morning talking about whether the Giants would be in the Caleb Williams Derby at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I just have to start with this. I think six of us picked the game at Big Blue View. Five of us picked the Giants to win. Hats off to Jeremy Portnoy for actually picking the Cowboys. But I should have known. I said last week that it was kind of a soft prediction that I picked it because it's set up in a situ- you know, to be a game where if the Giants were ever going to show that they belonged in the class with the Cowboys and by extension with the Eagles because the Eagles' domination has been the same. That Sunday night set up as as the night where that was going to happen, and it obviously didn't happen. It, it just showed that the Giants, and, and I don't want to write off the entire season, Tony. I don't want to do that because you feel like doing that at this point. But the Giants are miles and miles and miles from being one of the NFL's big boys, from being in the class with teams like the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Chiefs and the 49ers and and those teams that you look at as true championship contenders. They're just they're just miles from that. And the problem with last night is that is that you can't really see how many miles away they are because one particular facet of their team was was so tremendously inept last night that it affected everything else. And so you, you, I, I feel that last night did not give us a good take on what the team as a whole is like, but it highlighted a, a glaring weakness that unfortunately is a central one for every any NFL team. And that, of course, is 
the offensive line. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, and and it, offensive it, it, was the right name. <laughs> yeah, it was ugly. You know, the thing of it is, you watch the game and everybody wants to kill Daniel Jones. Okay, everybody wants to kill Daniel Jones. And, and as I wrote this morning, Jones didn't play well. Jones deserves criticism. But you have to realize that, that Daniel Jones got sacked seven times. I think there were one or two plays where he got sacked that didn't count because of penalties. So it could have been worse. He got hit 12 times when he threw the ball. He ran 13 times last night. And if I was to go back through the film, I think only two of those were designed runs, which means on 11 other occasions, he was bailing out of the pocket, running for his life. I think the stat was, what, 62% of his dropbacks? That he, Something like that. But it, but it looked worse than that. It had mm -hmm. to be worse than that because he had no chance to play good football last night. None. Yeah. So PFF just just put their their grades up for everyone last night, and they have the Giants surrendering twenty seven pressures. Ridiculous, and and but you see that pressures. and that, and, that and corresponds. Dallas, yep. Go ahead. Yeah, Go ahead. I'm and sorry. Dallas surrendered four pressures. I mean, yeah, to to the Giants. But, and so there's there's the big difference right there, right? A defensive line that's completely overwhelming one offensive line and another defensive line that is being easily handled by the other team's offensive line. And uh, there's your game. There's 40 to nothing. Absolutely. It's just, I think in three games against the Cowboys now, Jones has been sacked 15 times. And in those three games, the Giants haven't sacked a Dallas quarterback one time. Mm -hmm. and, and what it tells you, uh, you know, games are won and lost at the line of scrimmage. And right now, the Giants are just no match for the Cowboys at the line of scrimmage on either side of the ball. And, and they're, they're no match for the Eagles either. The, you, you put the playoff game and this game together, and I think it's 78 to 7. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the last two games they've just been horrendous, and you—I mean, you—you you hope it's not teams having discovered how they can beat the Giants, but rather just two very good teams that happen to match up very favorably with the Giants in that they are both strong on both sides of their line in a way that the Giants are not. Certainly not on on the offensive side anyway. I mean, to me, to me, the the performance of the defensive line is you know not not as distressing but somewhat uh distressing because that's supposed to be the strength of the giants defense and the defensive line kind of did did nothing last night but the offensive line which i think we all in giants land worry about our worst fears came came true last night, and uh, and the problem is, you know, where do the reinforcements come from? Uh, on on Twitter, you say, you know, people say, oh yeah, the Giants have to go out and find somebody, uh, to, you know, quick to bring in. But you know, there aren't any good offensive those, tackles sitting sitting out there waiting to play in the NFL right now. <laughs> those people don't exist. I keep yeah. telling people that. That's why Matt Pert is still the Giants' swing tackle. 
Matt Parrott was not good during the preseason. We get that. But if there was anybody better out there, he would already be in a Giants uniform. It was really, you know, Micah Parsons is otherworldly. Whether he's whether he's the second coming of Lawrence Taylor, I mean, I find it sacrilege to even utter the words. But, you know, I, I hear it talked about on talk radio all the time. He's just he's he's unbelievable. Demarcus Lawrence is good. The Cowboys can send a lot of pass rushers at the Giants. And yet, you know, you said what one of the things you said is, well, the Eagles and the Cowboys, you know, have that strength on the defensive line. Well, those are your primary competitors. Those are the and and your first responsibility, and Joe Shane and Brian Dable have done a really good job you know, since they, since they've been on board, but the first responsibility is to look at the teams you're competing against in your division and make sure you're built to handle those teams. And I had, and still have a certain level of optimism about this offensive line. I don't think it's as terrible as it looked last night. And yet, you have to come out of last night worrying about Evan Neal. Absolutely worrying about Evan Neal. You have to come out of last night wondering if the guard play is going to be even adequate. You come out of last night worried about the health of Andrew Thomas, who, if you saw the clip on Twitter today, you know, injured his hamstring on the blocked field goal and couldn't move and probably shouldn't have been out there, you know, from the first, after the first series on. You just, it, it's discouraging. There, there are no reinforcements coming. There's no cavalry coming during the 2023 season. So if, and, and I've said it all along, if Evan Neal doesn't get better, the offensive line doesn't get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and you, you know, you wonder, at this point, how much better he's capable of getting, because as you've said you know, numerous times before, Evan Neal is a very serious, dedicated football player. He's not the he's not the type of guy at, at tackle that the Giants have had problems with in the past because of, of their attitude and, and commitment to to work. Uh, Evan Neal has has done everything he can do and he's worked in the offseason Uh uh, you know, I don't know whether we should ask for his money back from uh, from uh, Duke Manyweather and uh, Willie Anderson or, <laughs> or not, but but whatever they taught him in the in the off season, uh, it didn't work uh, last night. And you wonder after he has has tried so hard to improve during the off season to have a, a night like that last night. Uh, I you know you just don't you don't know what to think about, about the possibility of, of him getting better over time. I guess, you know, and the giants really have little choice, but to keep sending him out there in the hopes that, that it will start to, to make sense for him. It'll get a little better footwork. And I, I don't know if you can solve his innate problems with quickness, uh, which seems to be one of his, one of his, his biggest issues, it's also true that he and Mark Glowinski next to each other, they're like two peas in a pod. Mark Glowinski has been 
actually pretty terrible as a giant in past pro and he was just as bad as as uh evan neal was last night and 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 the thing that that i just shake my head at whenever i watch the giants play the cowboys is that you know when the giants play them you know you're going to see lots of stunts and twists and as an offensive line, presumably you practice dealing with stunts and twists and you you learn partnership uh, with your you know the guy next to you so that you can handle them and get a good get a good good plan for what to do. But year after year after year after year, the Dallas Cowboys stunt and twist the Giants offensive line to death. And it goes back to Nate Solder and Will Hernandez. And here we are years later, and it's still happening with with Mark Lewinsky and Evan Neal. So I don't know what the answer is there. I don't know either. And the Giants have thrown a lot of resources at that offensive line and you know, Evan Neal's a seven, the, a number seven overall pick. Andrew Thomas is a number four overall pick. John Michael Schmitz is a second round pick. These guys, they're spending a lot of resources on this line, and and it's it's discouraging. But you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is this idea. You know, you're talking about the stunts, and you're talking about year after year, and one of the things that that's really discouraging. Brian Dable won a coach of the year award last year. He was the NFL coach of the year. And I'm sorry. I love Dabes. I like talking to Dabes. He's good. He's a good guy. He's a terrific coach. But when you open the season playing like that, playing like you had no plan in no possible way, to block the players on the other team. When you look completely unprepared and completely overmatched the way that the Giants did, it, it lands at the foot of the head coach. It, you know, it's, I want to say, Daves, you know, did, did they do the right thing by barely playing starters in the preseason? Did they do the right thing by really being so careful in the off season, giving guys veteran rest days and, and backing off players so much. And did they not work guys hard enough? Did they maybe believe their press clippings a little bit too much? Did, did they think they were better than they are? You know, which again, if, if that's the case and that's in the locker room, that lands at the feet of the head coach too. And and what on God's green earth was Dable thinking in the fourth quarter, leaving Daniel Jones in there to take that pounding? I just, I you know, some of this, some of what we saw, just has to land at the at the feet of Dable. Yeah, and and I think yeah, every head coach obviously is is open to criticism when things uh, don't go well, and. I think right now, for the first time since he became head coach, the, the Giants are in a little bit of a crisis period because, again, they're the last two times they've gone out on the field, they've gotten, to use Dable's own words, smoked uh, by the opposition. And it's not just any opposition. It's the teams that they have to, to beat in their division. And so uh, it's it's a real concern. And, and, yeah, decisions like that do really make you wonder about things. Uh 
I mean, actually, you know, yeah, I, you know, we saw that we saw it yesterday, actually, with Cincinnati against Cleveland, too, that Joe Burrow stayed in the game for a long time before they finally took him out. But that game never got as far out of hand as the Giants game did last night. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the Cincinnati Cleveland game looked like where the Giants game was just before halftime, basically. Well, so, uh, NFL coaches, Tony, NFL coaches, NBA coaches, you, you know, big time college coaches. You see this all the time. The last one to recognize the truth of the matter that the white flag should have, should have been run up a while ago, that the game is over, that it's out of hand, that there's no point in keeping your star players out there. The last one to always recognize this seems to be the head coach. And I'm not sure I understand it. I mean, Dave Bull said last night, he said, well, we were, we just wanted something positive to happen before we got him out of the game. And I'm sorry, it was 40 to nothing. He was getting destroyed on every single drop back. There was never anything positive that was going to happen. The only possible thing that was going to happen was that one of those hits was going to result in him getting hurt and missing a bunch of time. So I, I just found that I found it inexcusable for him to be in the game that long. Yeah, I agree completely. And and if you want to talk about waving flags, you know who did wave a flag? The Dallas Cowboys waved the victory flag fairly early on, and they took Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and guys like that out of the game. And they put in, you know, they had Oa Digizua playing. They had uh, Dorrance Armstrong playing. They had Dante Fowler playing. Those guys got lots of snaps last night because they were already, they were already in their victory formation figuratively uh, by the fourth quarter. And so all of their backups were out of the game getting, get, uh, or all of their backups were in the game getting lots of snaps and the, the most disturbing thing about last night was was not all the pressure that that the Giants line gave up to uh, to Lawrence and Parsons, but that they couldn't even handle the backup defensive lineman that Dallas brought in. <laughs> Those that, guys were getting sacks as well. That is that is very true, and it it just makes you scratch your head. I mean. I looked at this roster. I think we all looked at this roster. We all looked at the moves that the Giants made during the offseason. We all thought bringing in Darren Waller and adding some help at the wide receiver position and drafting John Michael Schmitz in the second round, adding Bobby Okereke. I think everybody felt good that this roster was and is progressing. And, but to lay that kind of an egg, you don't want to overreact and say the season's already over, but it makes it very, very difficult when you look at the schedule and you look at the fact that the Giants clearly are not a quote unquote big boy in the NFL. It, it makes it very difficult to see where even eight or nine victories are going to come from. It's hard to be optimistic about the big picture of 2023 after what we saw last night. Yeah, and I think so. I think you know we're all we're all prone to to overreacting from from what we saw last night, and I'm trying mm -hmm. to talk myself into 
into believing that, okay, let's, let's wait another week and let's just see whether they can take care of business uh, in Arizona. And then, and then we'll, we'll go from there and, and see what happens. I also try to say to myself that the offensive line isn't maybe necessarily completely a mess. Obviously, Andrew Thomas's health is concern, concerning, and uh, we hope that, that that hamstring is not something that plagues him for the entire season. But just at least taking the long view of the Giants, okay, we know that Andrew Thomas uh, is the answer at left tackle. John Michael Schmitz, who had a rough first night, especially snapping the ball along, uh, it was his first game in, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The conditions were terrible. So, you know what? I'll give him a pass. I'm still confident that he'll become a good center for the Giants. Ben Bredesen was not awful uh, last night. And so in my mind, I can say to myself that while the left from the center to the left side of the line, things may may be OK. That just still leaves, though, the, the right side of the line. That's a yeah. that's a, a, a really sore uh, point for for the Giants moving forward. We'll see whether they can do any better against Arizona, which is not a great team. Arizona actually put up a good fight against Washington yesterday, and so I don't know that they're as inept as as people made them out to be entering the season. But it, it's a good chance for the Giants to say, you know what, let's recover from this, put it behind us, and we'll uh, next week's a new week. Good Giants teams in the past have played embarrassing games and gone on to to something much better i mean my my favorite example was was in 2007 when fairly late in the season eli manning threw four interceptions a couple of them returned uh, as pick sixes in a 41 17 loss to minnesota at home in which in a year in which minnesota wasn't even a good team and he was looking awful and then all of a sudden in the playoffs you know, things clicked for him and the rest of the team, and they went on to a, to a Super Bowl. And you see actually a lot of those. The, uh, that, two, that same 2017 lost their second game of the year to Green Bay, 35-13. And so you, you can find these things in Giants history of, of good teams that had terrible days. And so I'm, I'm not ready to, to wave the, the red flag yet. But if they don't win in Arizona next week, then I think it's a different story because, as you say, they've got lots of tough games coming up early in the season and they've got to take advantage of the opportunities to win games where they can. And, and if they can't win in Arizona, then we know that, that, that things are likely to be pretty rough for the rest of the season. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Absolutely. I think one of the really, truly disappointing things, Tony, is the fact that the Giants were better than expected a year ago. Nine, seven, and one. They win a playoff game. And and let's be real. You know, Joe Shane admitted to me at one point that, you know, had they known Daniel Jones would play as well as he did last year, that, that he never would have declined the fifth year option, which means he wouldn't have cost himself quite as much money this year. The fact of the matter is that 
nine seven and one raised expectations. Okay, it raised expectations, and, and whether the Giants will admit it or not, it changed the way that they went about the this off season. If they didn't go to the playoffs last year, they weren't swinging a trade for a thirty one year old Darren Waller. They weren't going to spend forty some million dollars on an off-ball linebacker in Bobby Okereke, they probably would have moved on from some of the players who are still giants right now. Had they, you know, had they had a four, five, six win year last year, it raised expectations. We talked a lot about would there be regression or progression? And the 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 problem with last night is that it it just raises the alarm bell that maybe what we saw a year ago wasn't real that maybe it was a mirage that may you know and and that it that it could be a long 2023 season yeah and you know in in Thinking about what what you're talking about, I am reminded of the fact that we ran a couple of stories in Big Blue View earlier this year comparing the Giants to the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings were unexpectedly very successful last year, even more successful than the Giants by a lot during the regular season, uh, even though they wound up losing the playoff game to the Giants. But what did Minnesota do after their great season? They actually kind of tore things down uh, quite a bit. They, you know, they uh, they released Adam Thielen. They uh, they let many guys go on defense. They're now uh, with other teams, and so they're doing what looks like a rebuild, uh, even though they had a very good season. And the Giants, as you say, I think you know you're exactly right. They 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 clearly did not take that approach during the off season. And had they gone six and 11 last year or something like that they they probably would have approached things differently so uh so yeah the pressure is on them they they think that they have a good team and um mm-hmm. and i and you and you know for the most part they may have a good team it's just that that it's... there are certain places you can't afford to be weak and although they've tried to strengthen them it hasn't happened yet right and uh it's uh I, you know I, this, this, I think, all of a sudden, very early in the season, you're gonna, you're gonna have a reckoning with, with the team where things could, could go south very quickly, or, or mm-hmm. it'll be that oh, let, you know, week one was just week one, and put it behind us, and and things are okay now, or we've gotten our stuff together, and we've, we've woken up, and uh, well, they don't have much time to to figure that out. Unfortunately, after Arizona, they go to San Francisco. And if you watched San Francisco yesterday, San Francisco looked like the best team in the NFL before Sunday night anyway, uh, because they absolutely dominated uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a Pittsburgh Steelers team, by the way, that their fans and their coaches have been touting as, you know, maybe a lot better than, than people thought we were. Well, if you watched Pittsburgh yesterday, they looked awful against, against San Francisco mm-hmm. and San Francisco looked like world beaters. It was maybe not quite as bad as what the giants suffered at Dallas's hands last night, but it was similar to that. And uh, yeah, you know, there's maybe more than one team around the NFL that's waking up this morning saying, did we overestimate ourselves? 
Right. And it is very easy to, as we've said a little bit, it's very easy to overreact to week one. There are still 16 games to play. But the the over the overarching point though has to be that the the big thing we were hoping for was a sign that this long term dominate dominance of the NFC East by the Eagles and the Cowboys that the Giants were where it's been basically it's been a split division it's been the Eagles and the Cowboys at the top and the Giants and the Commanders at the bottom. And the only team that the Giants could consistently and reliably beat has been the Commanders. At some point, you're hoping for a sign that that those days are ending. And we certainly didn't get it last night. There was so much optimism that that we would, whether the Giants won or not, that we would at least get a sign that the Giants were were in that discussion. And, and we obviously got uh, just the opposite. Yeah, and I think the biggest disappointment is that the Giants played Dallas pretty tough last year. They lost both games. And Dallas clearly deserved to win both games, but but the Giants, you know, kind of hung tough in in both games. They uh, uh, they they fought really hard despite the the, the pass protection problems that they that were similar to what they had last night, but they hung in there and they had the ball at the end of the game down seven with a chance to drive downfield for the, for the tying score. The second game in Dallas, I think they actually were leading at halftime, barely leading at halftime. And then they fell apart in the second half. And if you look at what Dallas did during the off season, I mean, they made, they made two really nice additions. They added Stefan Gilmore, who's a, who's a good quarter uh, cornerback. And he intercepted Jones last night, although, I thought maybe that ball hit the ground, but never mind. Um, and uh, and they added uh, Brandon Cooks, who was a nice addition at wide receiver. So those are good things. And and I thought, okay, well they look they look better as a team. The question was whether having Mike McCarthy call the plays would would improve things or be worse than having Kellen Moore do it. But Dallas didn't undergo some tremendous makeover in the off season. They they changed a little bit in a good way. But I thought the Giants changed a little bit, actually more than a little bit, in a good way. And so I think I and many other people were expecting that the Giants can trade, could at least trade punches with Dallas. Now, you know, and, and it wasn't like the Eagles where where the Giants looked completely overmatched every time they played the Eagles last year. Dallas, they didn't look completely overmatched. But last night, they looked completely overmatched. Right. You would have expected... You would have expected that if the Giants were going to, to to quote unquote catch one of those teams, that it would be the Cowboys, and I think that's what made last night so so absolutely distressing. And I was sitting in the press box watching people leave two minutes into the four, into the third quarter. The stadium was practically empty except for Cowboys fans by the beginning of the fourth quarter, and and I'm sure that, I mean that's just that's just distressing coming off such a good season last year. Heart, you know, I mean it, it was miserable. It was rainy. It was ugly, and 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 of course I couldn't blame anybody for leaving, but not what the Giants wanted. Hopefully, 16 games. Hopefully, it does get better. Hopefully, we do get signs of improvement from that offensive line because if we don't 
if we don't, Daniel Jones is going to either get broken in half or become a completely shell-shocked quarterback who looks at the rush and runs for his life, which is basically what he did last night because he had no choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you worry about your, your quarterback developing that attitude about things. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, some quarterbacks don't worry about that, I think, at all, because they just assume that most of the time the protection is going to be all right. But Jones I, I has think, never played behind an offensive line, even in college, that no, allowed I, him to feel that way. I think you have to, at some point, you feel that way because it's in your face on every play and you just can't yeah. help it. You're a human being. But, you know, it is only one game out of 17. There are 16 more to go. The Giants are four and a half point favorites against Arizona. I mean, you really begin to push the panic button if the Giants can't go to Arizona and beat a team that is obviously tanking for Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. But uh, hopefully we don't get to that point. You get to one and one, and then you go from there and you see what happens, and hopefully things get a little bit better. You know, Tony, before we before we call it a show, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that today is September 11th, the 22nd year anniversary of that horrible, horrible day. Just uh, wanted to just wanted to mention that. Wanted to to say that you know we offer our thoughts to to families who who lost people on that day once again we offer our our thanks to to all of the first responders and everybody who puts their lives on the line you know every day to protect us so you just just wanted to to make mention of that day before we call it a show i don't know if you if you had anything you you might want to say about that as well yeah, no, you're. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I was uh, in the city that day. I was actually in on the subway underground, going from Queens to Manhattan. At the moment it happened, so at the moment it happened, I didn't. I wasn't aware of it. And finally, when I made my way up to up to work on the Upper West Side and walked in, I was told what was what was going on, and uh, it was it was surreal and. Uh, my father actually at one time worked in the World Trade Center. Uh, by that time, I uh, know he was he was long gone. But uh, so to see that happening at a place where where my own father worked for for a number of years is something that that really hit hard. And and uh, yeah, my thoughts go out to to all of the families who suffered either because their loved ones were were killed in the attack itself or because uh, one of their loved ones was one of the first responders who gave their lives to try to save other people. And uh, hopefully this day is, is a day when, when we can all reflect on, on that and, uh, you know, think about what's, what's really important. And a loss to the Cowboys is far down the list of what's important compared to that. Absolutely. Well said, Tony. All right. With that, I think we'll call it a show. Uh, Tony, thank you, as always, for your insight. Giants fans, thank you, as always, for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. we got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, 
the future of work. Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG pod wherever you get your podcasts. 